This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. Do you dream of retiring from your job? Well, not so fast. We've got a list of boxes to check off in the decade before you make this dream a reality. The final decade before retirement is an opportunity to strengthen a retirement plan and tie up any remaining details that can help secure your future. And as always, our experts are on hand to take your other personal finance questions today as well. Contact us by email. The address, it's money at mpbonline.org. Good morning, Nancy. We always like to start the show out with financial news for the week. What do you have for us? Well, Kevin, at this time of year, it's all about retail sales. You know, we're heading into Good Friday weekend, uh, Christmas shopping season. We've been watching these numbers to see are we really going to have a nice bounce back. The last couple of months, we've seen nice increases in consumer spending. Um, I'm anxious to see how this full season plays out. Personally, I can say, as I'm shopping around town, I'm amazed. People are just grabbing stuff off the shelves. They are spending money. I haven't seen a lot of problems as far as supply chain issues. I still see, you know, pretty nicely stocked shelves. And uh, I don't know what else everybody else is seeing out there, but I think it's going to be a good Christmas season, and that's going to bode well for next year. You know, I kind of uh, miss the, uh, the the big malls, you know, because uh, before Black Friday became nine people fighting over a pack of washcloths for $2, <laughs> yeah. and there were the big malls, I kind of liked it. It was sort of a challenge to go in there and, you know, swim through the mass of humanity and get to the various stores uh, that, that you have. But uh, I've ended up doing a lot of my shopping online because I have so many uh, relatives that live out of state, it's it's easier for me to have things shipped. So uh, Right, that you can ship directly to them yeah. rather than wait for all of that. Yeah, um, I'm not with you, Kevin. I've never <laughs> enjoyed that kind of shopping sport. That was not my thing. Uh, but I am just uh, interested to, to watch as this plays out, and I think a lot of people are flush with cash. We know households have more cash with stimulus, with the fact that we've been sitting at home doing nothing, not going anywhere. And so this is starting to feel like maybe it's time for us to break out of this pandemic mode. And I think that's going to be really good news for our stores. Ryder is with us as well. Good morning, Ryder. What caught your eye this week in Money News? Good morning. One of the most eye-catching prices that we Americans see is gas prices. Every day when you hop in your car, then you drive by a gas station, I am fairly certain, and you see in big, big letters, or numbers rather, what the price of gas is today. And that's been, it's always on people's minds. We're always talking about it. Whenever we're talking about any sort of inflation, we're like, oh, gas prices, and we throw up our hands and yell about it. And the Biden administration has decided to uh, maybe do something about it. So we are, from the U.S. Strategic Oil Reserve, releasing 50 million barrels of oil. The idea is that this will bring oil prices down a little bit, because oil prices have risen a lot in in the past year or so. It will bring, well, if you remember from uh, our March 2020 episodes of of this show, we were talking about how oil actually went negative briefly. But 
this the idea is you bring down the price of oil that makes it cheaper for refiners to buy it and that makes the gas prices that they the product that they refine is gas and that should make that cheaper this is a little uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of this just kind of looking at our oil production is it's not low in america our oil production is not low we had a period of late 2018 to early 2020 when we were producing above 11 or 12,000 barrels of oil but really historically we're producing around 11,000 barrels of oil uh, sorry 11 million barrels of oil a week right now that's a huge number compared to historically in somewhere between 5 and 10 million barrels a week um Gasoline prices, yes, they are. They have crested above $3 a gallon as an average national price. But they hit $3 a gallon a couple times in 2018, 2019. They were above $3 a gallon for all of pretty much 2011 through 2014 they were above three dollars a gallon they were even if you remember they were above four dollars a gallon in 2008 so the prices are high but they're not they're not um you know it just, it's never it's not like they've never been this high and actually the futures market for oil and gas the response has been generally positive oil and gas are actually up about a percent or two today so i don't know that this is going to have the effect that 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 folks might think it will so Ryder, you're a bit younger than i am but uh in the heyday of the big balls were you a, a fan of black friday did you ever navigate uh, through the shopping in in the sea of humanity goodness no goodness no <laughs> I guess I'm the oddball of the group then, because like I said, I you thought it was a, a real challenge to, you know, get somewhere and get to the food court, get something to eat, that sort of thing. So, Yeah, Kevin, I think Ryder and I can both agree that you're the odd one. <laughs> All right. I'll take that for now, at least. Uh, my, uh, the other thing is my one Black Friday purchase I've, I've checked on already, and it's out of stock everywhere. So uh, if anyone knows where I can get a PS5, let me know. Uh, Bright House Financial has published an article that will be our guide for our discussion today. It's called A Checklist for the Decade Before Your Retirement Date. So, Nancy, step one is reviewing your savings. Tell us what that entails. Well, you know, the decade before you retire, that's when we often see people come through our doors at the, for the first time, and they're getting serious about retirement. Um, and when you're talking about your savings, generally for most people, they're looking at their employer retirement plan. And you ne really do need to start with, okay, how much do I need every month to be comfortable? And I say by month because that's how most of us live. And that's our starting point, trying to figure out when you retire what do you still need to have coming in? And then where will that money come from if you are no longer earning? So it's looking at Social Security. Do you have pension? But more and more, it's looking back to that employer plan. And how many years do we have to build up? How much can we get you to sock away? And are you invested appropriately along the way? And also just looking at your overall expenses at that time. Very good. Um, if you have a question for our experts, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. Uh, today we're discussing steps you should take in the decades before retirement. What percent will Social Security payments be of your retirement income? We'll have a statistic for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. 
Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. You already know MPB Think Radio is a direct result of donations from listeners like you. But instead of counting the size of your donation in dollars, how about axles? Trucks to motorcycles, cars, even 18-wheelers. Your donated vehicle of any size helps fund the programs here on Think Radio. For more information on how to donate your vehicle, visit mpbonline.org slash support. information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. You already know MPB Think Radio is a direct result of donations from listeners like you. But instead of counting the size of your donation in dollars, how about axles? Trucks to motorcycles, cars, even 18-wheelers. Your donated vehicle of any size helps fund the programs here on Think Radio. For more information on how to donate your vehicle, visit mpbonline.org slash support. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. You can also download the MPB Public Media app, then you get to listen on your iPhone or Android phone to all the local MPB Think Radio shows on your schedule. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. According to SSA.gov, Social Security benefits represent about 30% of the income of the elderly. Our topic today is a checklist for the decade before your retirement date. We're getting our experts' advice about an article that our producer Liz Gill found on Bright House Financial. Before we jump back into things, we do have a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to Derek, who's calling in from Meridian. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning. My name... I'm... uh currently 69 years old i'm a physician practicing in meridian and i uh, uh up to this point un- unfortunately have not established any type of real retirement plan uh i plan on working another 10 years uh so i wanted to start doing some retirement planning at the time at this time and what would you recommend getting started i have no 401k or anything like that no pension for my job let's uh, really Go ahead. Uh, you really need to probably at this point, because you are the age you are, um, working till you're 79, boy, that's a big one, especially for a doctor, depending on what the physical requirements are. I, I really think you need to sit down with an advisor looking at all of your pieces and an advisor who's really then willing to work with whoever's helping you with your taxes to figure out a way to start um, putting aside more in a tax-efficient way and uh, talking to you about what your expenses are and how to hopefully get you ready for full retirement before 10 years. Okay. So, uh, Ryder, if someone is looking for a financial advisor, uh, what what would be some tips for them to start out and sort of get off on the right foot to try to find one? 
Well, I think like Nancy said, ask for referrals from other professionals you work with. If you are already working with a CPA on your taxes, someone who you trust, someone who is already giving you somewhat financial advice, maybe they have somebody who they trust that they can refer you to. If you're working with an estate attorney, someone who helped you write your will, someone who's helping you with other matters, maybe they have someone who they can refer you to. And when you look at an advisor, uh, there is nothing wrong, and we do encourage folks to look at multiple advisors. We, we, when someone comes to us for a recommendation for another professional, we may give them two or three folks to look at, might see who is the best fit for them. Because everyone, even amongst people who give great advice, some people are going to be a better fit with other people. And one thing to look for, we always say, is how is that advisor paid? Ask that advisor how they are paid. Are you the one paying them? Do they get paid by a third party who pays them every, gives them a commission every time they sell a product? Or are they paid by another company who only allows them to sell a certain type of product? Being paid by someone other than you doesn't mean that they're a bad person or they can they can't give good advice. It's just sometimes, one, very limiting, and two, it represents some conflicts that they may have. So looking for a fee-only advisor where you are the one paying the fee and they are able to recommend to you a, a wide range of services that they may offer and a wide range of products out there in the world, you know, kind of any stocks, bonds, mutual funds, different types of accounts, make sure they're, they're not limited and make sure they don't have any conflict. So those are a couple things to look for, but I always start with recommendations from other professionals uh, that you work with, other people who you, you trust, and hopefully those folks will be giving you very trustworthy recommendations. And uh, Nancy, one of the other things that we've talked about when uh, shopping for a financial advisor is you think it's important to have sort of a face-to-face -face meeting with, with the potential uh, advisors. Right. And I, when I say that, uh, that face-to-face -face may be through a computer screen because we have uh, clients we work with all over the country. But I think it does help to look somebody in the eye and get a sense of who they are as a person. Um, certainly asking other people who they use, uh, getting recommendations from other sources. But make sure it's a good fit because when you sit down with someone and are, you're trying to get advice on your finances, it's important that you trust them because you have to reveal very private personal information about your finances. And you need to be open with them so that they can give you the best advice. And um, for some people, it's just not personality-wise a good fit, so keep trying and make sure you're comfortable with that person. Make sure that you're monitoring what they're doing and that they're always doing a good job for you. We're talking about uh, a checklist for the decade before your retirement date. Uh, we're basing it on a um, article from um, Bright House Financial. Step one was to review your savings. We've talked about that. On to step two, Ryder, is to adjust your investment mix. How often do you think this should be done and what are some of the general guidelines? Yeah, so adjusting your investment mix is important and your investment portfolio will generally be made up of some mix of the following three things, stocks, bonds, and cash. 
some people will throw in some other alternative investments of some sort, but your most basic plain vanilla, you got stocks, bonds, and cash. Cash, it's like cash. It's like cash in your bank account. It hardly earns any interest, but it is there for you to spend the next day. So when you are living out of your accounts and when you're taking money out of your accounts, you will need cash because that needs to be available to spend. There are bonds. Bonds represent loans to companies. They You expect them to be fairly stable depending on the quality of the company and the quality of the loan. You expect to earn a little bit of interest. That's how you keep it's cash-like. It's similar to cash in that you expect it to be stable. Of course, depending on the type of bond, there are so many different flavors out there. And you hope to earn enough interest to kind of maybe keep ahead of inflation, but at least just so you won't have nothing. And, and that's going to be more important as you get close to spending that money. You want that money in bonds because you don't want that money to disappear when you're looking at expenses that are a few years out. For longer term expenses, you're going to have things in stocks. Stocks represent ownership of companies. Not only do they represent ownership of companies, which is a risky thing, thing that varies from day to day because those are publicly traded in the stock market, but also companies can do be wildly successful and grow and grow and grow a lot, or they can also fail. So you expect a higher return because you're taking on more risk. You expect a higher return because you're investing in a company. And the point of starting companies, the point of companies existing is to, 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 to make money. And so hopefully those will make money for you over the long term, but that's a more long-term investment. So when you're young, you're probably an aggressive investor. You can have more money in stocks. As you get closer to retirement, you will start building bonds into that portfolio. And so when you're 10 years out, it's really important to start getting a good idea of what is this portfolio gonna do for me? How much am I gonna really need to spend out of it? And how much am I going to be putting into it in the future? So your flows into and out of the portfolio are gonna really dictate your asset allocation, as we call it, your allocation between stocks, bonds, and cash. And so as you get closer to that retirement date, you will probably be more and more conservative, more and more bonds and cash. That's something, especially as you're close to retirement, you're gonna wanna check maybe annually, maybe make adjustments annually, not necessarily make adjustments that frequently, but you do wanna make sure you are on the right track. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio, talking today about preparing for your retirement. Uh, we've got another caller on the line, so let's say good morning to James, who's called in from Summit. Hello, James. You're on the air with us. Good morning. Uh, I'm a little late to the call. Uh, I, I just retired this year, and uh, I have a question regarding some money that I have sitting. And uh, let me preface this with saying I'm, I am risk-averse by nature. And uh, I, I won I'm wondering what the commenters think I should do with a lump sum right now. Uh, to make more than a half percent in in, uh, in the bank. James, I think you need to start by um, looking at, uh, you say you're already retired, so apparently there's some income coming in already. Is that income yes, I'm, enough I'm, I'm to cover you? Yeah, so you're covered. So this is just what-if money, right? Uh, sort of. You know, it, it, it's money for what we want to do later. Okay. Not, and out, out, of, out of the budget. Okay, so later, what do you mean by later? Qualify that. 
now if we if we decide to relocate and you know there's a difference in the house we we want to purchase i don't i want to you know, make sure and pay cash for the house so i don't have a note there and that sort of thing and then we've got other other buckets of money for travel and that kind of stuff but this, this is just our ready cash money okay and is this in an ira account or a taxable account it's taxable right now okay so um I would say if you stick with something that's very safe, which is fine if that's what you want to do, but um, if you're purchasing CDs, if you're doing treasuries, if you're buying uh, short-term bonds, then that interest is going to be taxed at your income tax rate. Um, this is money that probably is long-term money. So I really think a good dose of exposure to stocks would be appropriate. Now, to deal with your risk aversion, maybe that needs to be heavier in big U.S. companies that pay dividends, and those dividends are taxed at a preferential rate, a lower rate than your income tax rate. You also would have some control over uh, declaring capital gains. But this is, should probably be in a well-balanced account um, and consider everything else that you have. If I put the whole picture together, if this one piece is all in stocks, does it still only represent a small percentage of what you have altogether? Then that might make it uh, make sense to have more in the equity side. But you can do it in a reasonable way. You can use pooled funds, mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, so you're not quite as risky and um, that's where you're going to get some decent growth on that account and also be tax advantaged. Thank you very much. I appreciate your insight. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, I, go ahead, Ryder. I, I like that call. We get a lot of folks who do say they are risk averse by nature, be it on this show or in, in folks showing up at our office saying they're risk averse. But we always have to think what what are the risks? What are the risks that we're concerned about? And yes, we don't want, nobody wants to invest all their money in stocks and the stock market goes down 30% over the next six weeks like it did in the beginning of 2020. But at the same time, there's another risk that's kind of big headline news right now that the money you stick in the bank account isn't going to be worth what it is today. The dollar you stick in the bank account today is only going to be worth 95 cents uh, tomorrow. That That's another risk. And one of the ways that we kind of work to, to fight against that risk is by investing in stocks. And while James kind of had a ambiguous but medium to long-term target for this money, so it, uh, we would never say, "Oh, throw all of this money in the stock market." And if you're going to buy a house in a few years, that would that would be very risky. But it would also be very risky if this were for very long-term things. If he wanted to buy a house in 10 or 15 years and he just stuck it in a bank account, well, it would not buy the same amount of house in 10 years if it just sat in the bank account and earned a teeny, 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 tiny bit of interest. So there, there's more risk than simply, oh, no, the stock market goes up and down, because over a long enough time period, we really, truly do expect that to go up. And over a long enough time period, we really do truly expect inflation to erode the value of risk-averse dollars. 
We're talking about assessing your retirement readiness today. How long do you think you'll live in retirement? We'll have one statistic for you next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. healthy and fit you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active i'm dr josie bidwell host of southern remedy healthy and fit and associate professor of preventive medicine at the university of mississippi medical center listen to the show every monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for southern remedy with your preferred podcasting app Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lottridge Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts, and Ryder holds the certificate in investment performance measurement from the CFA Institute. According to the Social Security Administration, in 1940, the life expectancy of a 65 year old was almost 14 years. Today, it's more than 20 years. Uh, our producer read the article, A Checklist for the Decade Before Your Retirement Date, from Bright House Financial, and we're using that as our guide this morning. Uh, but before we get back into that, uh, we had a call from Summit in the last uh, segment, which is the home of Southwest Community College. And for um, state employees who have a pension, Nancy, how can, if you have a pension, how can you help influence your retirement picture? Well, if you're a state employee, you are very fortunate because you do have a pension, which most of us don't even have those anymore. They have become dinosaurs. But you also have another type of plan, uh, the Mississippi Deferred Comp. So you have the pension, which is a defined benefit plan, and you really don't have any risk there. You just need to keep showing up, keep earning, and you put in your time. And based on how long you work for the state and what your salary was during those years determines what the payment will be every month when you retire. Okay, that's done. But the other side, which a lot of state employees don't even take advantage of, and that is the um, defined contribution plan, Mississippi Deferred Comp, or it may be under a different name. But you can then choose to invest more of your money in that. And there's a tax advantage for you to do that, and you can accumulate. It's a, a good plan, good investment options. So the risk is all on the employee at that point. So don't just do the PERS, which is the pension, and you see that money coming out every month, but um, also try to contribute some to the Mississippi Deferred Comp and start to build up a pile there and make sure it's invested appropriately. 
This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're doing step-by-step of uh, things that you could think about while uh, trying to plan for your retirement. Um, step one was to uh, reevaluate your spending. Uh, we've talked about uh, um, adjusting your investment mix. And now, Nancy, step three is make a plan to pay off debt. We talk a lot about that. But why is it important to enter retirement debt-free? I'm going to say not necessarily. Yeah. Um, it depends on the type of debt, Kevin. And certainly, if you've got a lot of credit card or consumer debt, I'm going to be concerned about that as you step into retirement. You need to address that and get rid of it, because that's just an unnecessary expense. But I often hear people talk about, I just got to get my house paid off. Not necessarily. Uh, What is the interest rate on that mortgage? Is it lower than what you're earning on your uh, accounts elsewhere? Then it doesn't make sense to do that. And, in fact, a lot of people will spend so much time and energy and effort paying down their house that they will then um, basically do less on their employer retirement plans, and that does not make sense. So think about what is the rate on that mortgage? Um, Is this going to be a problem for me when I retire based on other income that I'm living on? And consider just maybe just it doesn't make mathematical sense and just to keep going. And at some point in retirement, you may pay down the house naturally enough that you're able then to pay it off. But don't shortchange your um, employer plans and your other savings and even paying on credit cards because you're trying to pay down a house. Doesn't always make sense. I understand there's a psychological part of that because when you stop earning, you think, my goodness, I at least need to have a roof over my head. But think about it carefully. Well, you know, I'm glad you said that thing about different sorts of debts because I'm sort of planning on my retirement, and I'm thinking that about the time I'm retiring, I'm going to be needing a new car. So I guess a right. car, car payment is maybe one of those other types of debts that's not quite as bad as some others. Exactly, because you, you need a car. You need to be able to um, get around. And if you're going to do a loan, you just need to make sure that the rate is low enough that it makes sense for you to do that. Um, And then sometimes we have people who will retire, and they have a lot in their retirement savings, and they'll think, well, I'm going to buy a car. I'm going to take out $25,000 out of my retirement. Well, that's $25,000 of pure income that you have to pay tax on. And it may make more sense for you to take out a loan for that car as long as the rate's not crazy high. And then use your retirement to make the payments over a period of time. And I'll probably break my arm for patting myself on the back, but I've also set up a savings account that I'm putting money in each month so that when I do buy that uh, next car, I've got a little bit more for a down payment. Yeah, that makes sense. And also, you just need to make sure that um, you're not going overboard with the type of car that you purchase, that it's way more than what you know your budget and income um, could really then supply you. So just be careful about that. But we often hear a lot of people will do that. When they retire, they think, okay, I'm, I have to have a new car, and this may be the last car that I have, even though the odds are there will be another one. Very good. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Got another phone call to get to. Now we're going to talk to Joe from Tippa County. Good morning, Joe. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have a question about a uh, land. Uh, Say I inherited some farmland from my mother. If I sell that land, do I have to pay taxes on what I get for it? Any thoughts on that? 
Yeah, so it depends on a few things. When you inherit land or when you inherit really anything, you're in property, securities, etc., you're inheriting that at your cost basis is the value, the market value on the date of death of whoever passed it to you. So, if this was recent, uh, land does not is not as volatile as, for instance, stocks, and of course does not have daily published prices like stocks. If if you knew, given the date that someone died, if it was a stock you inherited, you can just look up that price for the date, and your your value may have gone up or down, but your cost basis is the value on that date. With land, it's a little more fuzzy. You just kind of have to look at – get an estimate from a real estate professional perhaps if you don't have a good idea of what land in that area was going for at the time. But with land, again, since the value doesn't often increase that much uh, in a short period of time, then your – your taxes would be minimal. You would owe taxes on the gain from your cost basis to the value that you sold it at. So, say you inherited land worth $10,000. You inherited that last year, and and that had grown to you were able to sell it for $12,000. You would only owe taxes on that $2,000 increase. And for most things, if you held it for more than a year, that would be a long-term capital gain, and you would owe – that's a preferential rate, which is lower than your income rate. And in fact, uh, depending on where your income is, your capital gains rate may be zero. So. On inherited property, again, rules to think, keep in mind, the sooner you sell it, the closer it's going to be to that cost basis, so, so the, the less you're going to owe in taxes. And as well, those preferential rates, and I'm kind of thinking generally here in terms of property, uh, real property and uh, securities. Yes, okay. Very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, Joe, for the call. And just a reminder, you might also want to check in. Our next show is in legal terms, and the host, Richard Gershon, is a tax attorney. So uh, you might want to call in there or email there to get some further uh, clarification and some more information about your question there. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. We're going through a checklist for the decade before your retirement. Uh, we're basing our uh, steps on an article that our producer, Liz Gill, found on Bright House Financial. We've talked about reviewing your savings and adjusting your investment mix, trying to pay off your debt. We come to step four, Ryder, is to estimate retirement expenses. How would someone go about doing that? Yes, this is a fun one. This is a little project for you. You have to think about what your expenses are going to be in the future. And since we're talking about a decade before retirement, so you're thinking about what are my expenses going to be not only in 10 years, but for all time after that. So that's going to be really difficult. It's it's really easy to estimate how much you're going to spend tomorrow. You you might already know all your expenses tomorrow, and all you have to look, do if you're not sure is look and see what you've spent for the last few days and think, nah, I'm going to spend some average of that. Spending in 10 years, that's going to be a little fuzzier. So you need to think about several things. First, with any budgeting question, I always like to start with what are the big rocks? What are the big expensive things? So are you – like we just touched on, are you still going to have major housing expense? Are you going – or, or is, is that housing expense going to go away? Are there major – 
expenses that you are going to gain? Are you going to have to get new vehicles? Are you going to have to be paying a lot more for medical expenses? This is going to be particularly the case if you have a very good insurance plan and you're retiring before Medicare age and you're going to end up needing to pay your own health insurance for a little while. So that would be a major monthly expense that you gain. Are you going to be traveling a lot and maybe living a much more expensive lifestyle? Or are you gonna be staying in and cooking at home every every day and just enjoying your yourself and your friends and your family and your loved ones and, and, and having a much less expensive lifestyle? So those major expense categories, those are things to think about. But keep in mind, in it, whenever you're estimating your budget 10 years down the line, it's just going to be a fuzzier number. So getting that budget nailed down isn't super important in your the first of your 10 years. Getting, the, getting your savings maximized is what's going to be important. Looking at your budget closer to time is, is going to be what tells you have I saved enough? Is this feasible? Do I need to work another year? Do I need to revise my expectations? So you know, for starters, you really need to focus on the saving. But if you want to go ahead and do those long-term projections, think of your big expenses and just understand you're going to be playing a little bit fast and loose with those numbers. You know, also, I think the closer you get to retirement, you could, again, begin to look at your spending patterns and, and really take a, a deep dive into, you know, what is the, the wants versus the needs and be able to maybe pare down some of the, the fluff, as it were, so that as you get into retirement and maybe have a little bit less uh, income, uh, you're a little bit more used to living on a tighter budget. Absolutely. You should get used to whatever that new lifestyle is, if, if, especially if there's going to be a significant lifestyle change. You should get used to that lifestyle change a, a little bit before just to make sure it's feasible. You, you may you may have this idea that you're going to leave, lead a frugal, solitary life in retirement, and you kind of play around with it, and you realize that you really don't want to do that. And and if it's so important to you that you have XYZ expenses, then you may have to just adjust your expectations of how much you're going to work. Likewise, it goes the other way. If, if you think, oh, retirement's going to be very expensive, and so you've been very aggressive about saving, and then you check in with yourself three to five years before you plan to retire, and you're like, actually, I'm spending less, or I'm comfortable spending less, Maybe you can retire early and live that and, and, and live that life sooner. We're talking about preparing the decade before your retirement. Do you have a pension to rely on a retirement? We'll tell you one statistic next. You're listening to Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. 
hosted in legal terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. We're glad you found our show Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. This is Kevin Farrell, and I'm here with Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. Here's a program reminder. Tuesday mornings at 10, listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, immediately following Money Talks. According to the Social Security Administration, 45% of the workforce in private entry has no access to private pension coverage. So if you're part of that 45%, you'll need to think about how to provide for your retirement income. We're getting our experts' advice on an article that our producer Liz Gill found. The article is a checklist for the decade before your retirement date. It's from Bright House Financial. Uh, we have talked about um, reviewing your savings. We've talked about, um, where am I here, adjusting your investment mix, uh, paying off your debt, estimating your retirement expenses. Number five, Nancy, is one I think about, and that's examine options to cover medical costs. It would seem to be a pretty big future expense. So what are some options and what should you think about? Yeah, this is a big one, Kevin, and I cannot tell you the number of people who come through our door uh, planning for retirement, and they look like they've accumulated enough, but they have to keep working because they need health insurance, and they are not 65 yet. They don't qualify for Medicare, and so that's the big stumbling block for a lot of people, how to make sure you still have health insurance, good coverage, and certainly the older we get, the more we see that this is very important. Things go wrong. You can have big events. And um, for most of the time, what we can do is try to get somebody within that COBRA time period, which is the 18 months of qualifying for Medicare. So if we can get you to that point, then you can then pay for your employer plan yourself. It may be expensive, but it's just going to be a temporary thing if you're ready to leave the workforce and you've done everything else appropriately. But this is the big thing that we're all dealing with, and um, it's the reason I would love to see some of the proposals I've seen out there where we bump down Medicare instead of it being 65, if we pull it down to in the 50 range, I think that would allow a lot of people to go ahead and retire knowing you're having that security of health insurance coverage. You know, and also since we're talking about sort of the decade before you retire <clears throat> and we talk about medical costs, you know, prevention is always a good thing to think about. I think all of us could benefit from maybe uh, a better diet and better exercise. So something to think about uh, as you re uh, in near retirement is to uh, just make sure that you can remain as healthy as you can uh, because uh, we all break down eventually. So if you can, the further you can put that off, the better it is. And some of us are breaking down faster than others. <laughs> all right. Right, on to step six, Ryder, it's develop a retirement income plan. What types of income could a retiree expect or plan for? Absolutely. This is very important. Just like planning the expense side of your budget, you need to understand what your incomes are going to be and where they are going to come from. There's more details than just simply, okay, well, I'm going to get $2,000 in Social Security and my pension is 1500 
some of those numbers are going to be adjusted for inflation. Some of those numbers are going to rise automatically. We get a lot of folks calling asking about their PERS benefits. PERS benefits are adjusted 3% every year, come what may. If inflation is 0%, you get 3% more. If inflation is 5%, you get 3% more. So that's something very clear that you can plan for that steady increase and you can think about what that looks like every year from once you claim it. Now, most private pensions are not inflation adjusted, so that is something to be aware of. Think about that $1,000 you get today is going to be the same $1,000 in 20 years. And just like we talked with uh, James earlier, there may be an inflation risk where that $1,000 doesn't provide for you as it used to. Social Security is inflation adjusted. Federal pensions have a what I would describe as a gentle inflation adjustment. And another big piece for a lot of folks, just like that statistic you shared, so many people don't have pensions, a lot of people are going to be relying on their own savings. And the important thing here is, this is not, when, when the day you retire, you are a more conservative investor than the day you first started, but you are not all cash because that money still has to last you 10, 20, 30 years. I believe there was a statistic that, that we threw in there when Social Security first started, life expectancy, when you hit 65, you are only expected to live another 10 to 15 years. Today, that's 20 years. When you hit 70, you've still got 15, 16, 17 years to live. So, and, and that's just the average life expectancy. Uh, so that just goes to show your money still has to last you a long time. The uh, One of the risks, yes, is that you lose money in the market, but also there's a risk that that, that dollar that you have today simply doesn't stretch as far as it does in 10 years. Now, one other thing about the incomes to think about is that not all of your incomes are going to come at the same time. You may want to delay your social security. You may want you may have a pension supplement before you take social security and that may start at some point and that may end at some point. You may be able to help delay that social security and pension income by spending money out of your investments. So you have to look at all of those sources you have to see which one is the most important. You have to see what all the different features of those are, a feature such as the inflation adjustment or a feature such as a spousal benefit should you die first. Those are all important things to look at and there will be various quantitative and qualitative aspects to kind of plug in and, and think about. Uh, Nancy, I only got about a minute left, but uh, just a, a brief thought on Social Security and, and reviewing options for Social Security, maybe some tips on, on how to do that. Well, uh, a lot of people, about 40%, take theirs at 62, which is the earliest time period. Um, full retirement age is going to be 66 to 67. The last point will be age 70. Any delay um, beyond the 62 is going to increase that monthly benefit. So be very careful. Know that the choice of when you take Social Security is not going to be the same as when you retire. You may need to sit down with an advisor looking at your whole family plan. 
Uh, we have a, a guest, Sean Mercer, frequently on the show from Social Security Administration. He'll probably be on the show again in the coming months. So uh, if you have Social Security questions, uh, Sean is always a great resource. And also uh, their website has a lot of useful information. Uh, you can find the uh, information about Social Security at ssa.gov. So uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Again, we uh, if you want to go back and review what we were talking about, there will be the podcast, but the uh, article that our producer, Liz Gill, got this information from, the basis for our discussion, a checklist for the decade before your retirement date from Bright House Financial. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can visit moneytalks.mpbonline.org or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your favorite podcasting app. Our show is produced and engineered today by Jay White, and our call screener was Lisa Lancaster. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio. podcast.